Welcome into the Real Show podcast. Today we're going to have a uh, fun guest, a guy that's really in charge of something, okay? I mean, this guy can, well, he can arrest all of us, which is cool. Uh, but Chef Troy Nails is going to be joining us. Sheriff, Chef, I just called you Sorry. Chef. I don't know why. Don't Sheriff know. Troy Nails is on with us. But first, a word for our sponsors, McGrath Pest Control. They are the best in the business. Another Fort Bend business, by the way, McGrath Pest Control. And you get 5% off if you mention the Raheel Show podcast. Just go to McGrathPestControl.com. That's who I use. That's who I trust to come in my house every quarter and uh, get, the, get the treatment done. So, guys, make sure you use McGrath Pest Control. Another local business. We love them. McGrathPestControl.com. I want to thank HTownDental.com. If you need any kind of dental work done, guys, and you can't afford it right now or you need to be put on a payment plan that uh, isn't ripping you off, Go to htowndental.com, find the location nearest you. There's two on the east side, one right here in the Galleria area. And uh, Dr. Rams Nali, my brother, will take care of you. He and his partner, they, uh, they value you as a customer. They value you as a patient. And they're not there to rip you off. They're there to help uh, make sure that you get the right treatment at the right price. And if you can't afford it, they put you on a great payment plan that's beneficial to you. And you get a first, uh, if you mentioned the Raheel Show podcast, your first uh, cleaning and x-rays on the house. That's what they, uh, that's what they do for our listeners, Real Show podcast listeners. So make sure you go there, htowndental.com. And uh, Perfume Time Houston, why are you paying retail prices for your perfumes and colognes? you got a lot of stuff coming up. If you need to buy uh, any kind of gifts, go pay wholesale prices at Perfume Time Houston. And you can uh, find them on Google. Just Google Perfume Time Houston. You'll see them, 8,000 Harwin. Go in there and get the Raheel discount. I don't pay full price there. Neither should you. You can save up to $100 off of perfumes and colognes, guys. Make sure you do it because uh, one of my friends went there and she's like, wait, this is only how much? That's like $100 more at Macy's. All right, so stop paying retail prices. Go in there, pay wholesale prices. Perfume time. Houston, they've been there for almost 25 years, so you know they're doing it right. All right, there you go. We're done. Sponsors are out the way. We love them. Sheriff, welcome in. You are a guinea pig on the Raheel Show podcast. This is our first one with the new background, the new streaming. You're looking good. Look, you can see yourself right Thank there. Thank goodness I received a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> see, I dressed up for it. This is, uh, <laughs> this is the, the traditional Very radio good. wear. You have to wear a backwards yeah, cap and a, and a shirt, yes. just a T-shirt. How you doing, man? Good to doing see you. Doing fine. Everything is well. Thank you. Yeah. So the rain is coming down. For those of you that, you know, that are watching live, are you? Do you always get worried now because of rainstorms? Uh, with what happened a year and a half ago with the uh, crazy floods, the Memorial Day floods, the Tax Day floods, everything, and it got pretty bad out there in Fort Bend. But it, when you get consecutive days, are you just like, ooh, let, this is going to be kind of worrisome? Quite honestly, no. Yeah. Uh, they say that that flood last year was the 100-year flood. Yeah. You know, so I guess maybe we should uh, consider about 99 years from now. Maybe. Hopefully we're both Hopefully here. Hopefully not. <laughs> you know, we have a great levy system around Fort Bend County. Yeah. I think the engineering department, everybody's doing well. So, so Chef, uh, Sheriff, why I keep saying Chef? It's just so easier to say uh, Chef. Sheriff Troy nail, uh, Nails here. So tell me, being a sheriff, all right, like what is your day-to-day? Because I'm always curious about when you have uh, a role like that, like what is the day-to-day? We had uh, Major Chad Norvell, who's in here with us, hanging out. Like, I asked him the same thing. What do you do mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis? Like, what is your day like? I have a little bit of a routine every morning. Yeah. I get up early, three kids, three dogs. My wife's a professional. She is a principal of an elementary school wow. in Lamar School District, so she's up early as well. So our day starts early. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I have a cup of coffee with my in-laws. 
probably four, maybe five days a week, spend 45 minutes with them. Nice. And then uh, travel into uh, the city of Richmond where my office is located. Mm -hmm. City of Richmond in Fort Bend County is the county seat. And I meet with some gentlemen for coffee and oatmeal in the morning, try to remain healthy. And uh, I receive a lot of guidance and a, a lot of mentoring from uh, the the old timers that I have coffee with. Yeah. And then I'm in the office probably around 8, 8.15. Wow, so you're doing all that before 8 a.m.? Oh, I'm up at 5. You're up at 5 every yes, day. Yes, yes. Of course, you have three three daughters. So That's right. you got to get them ready in the summertime. They're, so your wife stays at home during the summer, which is nice for, well, most, for the most part? or As the principal, she works year-round. Okay. Principals of schools, uh, they work year-round. Where teachers would, would mm -hmm. be on another contract where they'd get some time off in the summer. But my wife works year-round. Okay. So do you, you obviously face the same problems as normal parents where in the summer you're like, what are we going to do in the summer with the kids? And they've got this right. and we got to make sure they're staying busy. What is that like? We've had opportunities to take our little family vacations this yeah. summer. And, and it's good. You have a 16-year-old, uh, Jenna. Uh, she's 16 and mm -hmm. has her driver's license now. Uh, parents worry about that, obviously. Yeah. And then 11-year-old and, and then uh, a 4-year-old, four 4-and-a-half. Four and quite honestly, Raheel, I don't know how that happened. Man, it was a that, stressful campaign. That is a yeah, uh -huh. and, and you had a campaign on top of it's that. It's wonderful. And yeah, it's uh, you dollars. obviously have your job. Your wife has her job. Sure. So now with your daughter, is she okay? How how is she driving? Is she like the perfect driver, or is she more like if I get a ticket, my dad can get mm -hmm. me out of it? Mm -hmm. What's her attitude like? One thing I did with her is we sent her to the driving schools, mm -hmm. uh, where it's several weeks where you attend class, and then you'll jump in a car with other students as well as a certified instructor mm -hmm. to take them and tr try to teach them the rules of the road. Uh, there are others that will just try to do it via the internet. Yeah. I would encourage any parent that's listening to make sure that you take the time and make sure that your, your driving age uh, uh, teenagers uh, go through some basic courses uh, and get that practical experience with a certified instructor. Uh, get, it can get a little bit closer to the mic, so again, a yes. uh, little note there. Um, so when you were a teenager, how was your horrible? Was your, horrible. My driving, like, I was horrible. Yeah. Did you ever get into any accidents or anything? I, I, I didn't have any car crashes, yeah. but I, I did tend to violate the, uh, the, the laws as relates to speeding. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Sometimes I think about when I was a teenager and when I turned 16 and you have the freedom to drive and I grew up here mm -hmm. in Sugarland, So, mm -hmm. you know, using 59 all the time and all that sure. good stuff. Um, sometimes mm -hmm. I think back and I go, wow, mm -hmm. how, man, I'm, I'm thankful nothing crazy happened, <laughs> but you know, there's times when you want to experiment, you're going hundred miles per hour, you're endangering other people's lives. I, I won't get a ticket for that. Problem is, no, right here, right? my <laughs> father was the county sheriff oh, so uh, yeah. so in Wisconsin where I grew up, of course. So he, he was the county sheriff, uh, had an older brother that was a deputy mm -hmm. sheriff in, in Dodge County, Wisconsin. So obviously we had to be very careful. Um, and what we were doing, yeah, uh, because our father was the the county sheriff. How different is it seeing your daughters grow up here in Texas, and then looking at your childhood growing up in Wisconsin? Uh, you just think about they have a little bit easier, or did you have it easier? Small town, yeah. small town community. Grew up in a small town of Juneau, uh, Wisconsin, a little over two thousand people, and, and many uh, of the towns, the little communities in Wisconsin are relatively small. Yeah. Probably the Greatwood has more people living inside of Greatwood than most of our cities, our yeah. small towns in Wisconsin. I, I had a chance to go to the Texans-Packers game, so I spent a couple of days um, you know, in Green Bay. Man, 
there is a di- like once the cold hits and we had the first so we were there for the first snow which was really cool and it's awesome but you have to be a certain type of tough to survive up there in the winter because that is brutal i mean just like i was there for two and a half days one it gets dark at like four o'clock then you got the snow the cold on top of that you have to be a tough person just to mentally outlast that because i was done two days in i was like i want to go home I'm ready to get out. Wisconsinites, we put on our winter coats, you yeah. know, our winter skin. I was there last year for two Packer games. Yeah. I went up and I watched uh, the Packers defeat the Giants in the playoff game. And then, of course, I believe we went to Atlanta, and, and then we got crushed in Atlanta. But we were just really proud of, yeah. of being able to make it that far. Now, you're still a Packers fan. Without question. I'll yeah. be at two games this year. Nice. Which ones are you going? Have you picked uh, them yet? Uh, are there, yes. Uh, New Orleans, the Saints oh. in October, and then uh, December 23rd against Minnesota. Now, is Major going with you? Uh, I've invited him. I had one extra ticket, but I don't, I don't think he wants to take the beating. Yeah, he doesn't I just want don't to think that. he wants to <laughs> he experience the beating. Not until he's ready to see what his Saints look like <laughs> a little bit, right? Um, so I want to go back to your day. So 8 a.m., you're in the office. Um, you're not patrolling a, a, as much or anymore now. You're more behind, you know, behind the scenes and the desk. Well, behind the scenes in terms of you're making sure everything's running smooth with your, with your department. And then you're up front, uh, in front of the screen anytime there's a press conference going on. Uh, but then what's the rest of that day look like, the actual office part of the day? I get a lot of opportunities to, to showcase the Fort Bend County Sheriff's Office giving tours. I gave one this morning. Uh, and I would encourage people to, you know, Fort Bend County, about 750,000 people. Uh, we're being told we're the most diverse county, if not in the in, uh, state, in the entire country. And, you know... Our budget is $77 million. We have over 800 employees. And and we're doing a lot of great things, a lot of good things, a lot of good work is being done at the sheriff's office. So I try to encourage people to come by and take a tour, see for themselves exactly what's being done. And I I am the figurehead. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the smartest man in the building is the chief deputy. And then, of course, we have command staff and, and just dedicated employees that are truly uh, care about their community that they serve. Yeah. It's wonderful. I'm honored to be the sheriff of Fort Bend County. So when you have a staff that big and, you know, in today's world where anything can go viral at any point, how important is it to really lay down like the ideals and, and what you stand for and what the department stands for, what the county stands for with every single person on the staff? Because you know, it, it, it's it's unfair, but it happens where one person or one officer or one sheriff's, uh, you know, office member does something or says something, and all of a sudden you've got a viral storm on your hands. Mm-hmm. How hard is that as a as a leader to make sure that everyone gets that? And because you guys, I, I um, sheriffs are always patrolling my neighborhood, and I love it because I'm part of the unincorporated part of Richmond, and they are the kindest, the most polite. They're very fair. How hard is it to get that? you know, message across to the entire staff that we're representing something here and you can put a black eye on this department with one saying or move, right? Sure. That started from day one uh, when we changed the culture and the way we were doing business and we created this code of ethics. And I tell all new employees, current employees, you know, law enforcement agencies have general orders, manual policies, all sorts of directives and, and ways uh, to how to do your job. But nothing is more important than our code of ethics. And I tell employees, new employees that come in, that this trumps any other policy that we have, any general order. 
If you follow that code of ethics, you can retire here. If you don't, you won't. So really, it starts from the top, uh, changing the culture and the way we're doing business. We hold monthly command and staff briefings. And, and I believe that everybody understands uh, my mission statement, the commander's intent, so to speak, and then they make that their intent. Yeah. What, is your, what are your code of ethics? What, are, what is something that would happen at these monthly meetings where you're hitting on these uh, principles almost? What, well, what is that? the individuals that, um, you know, again, 800 employees, we have a great retention. Uh, many, many employees uh, enjoy their jobs there, but the few that are no longer with us, you know, people have said, you know, Sheriff, how many people have you terminated? I terminate very few. They terminate themselves. You can't commit violations of state law or be, you know, or get out on some of these social media platforms and just say outrageous things, yeah. things that are insulting to others, almost threatening, things like that. So uh, it's, it's just having a strong working relationship with your command staff, your captains and above, and, and uh, reaching out to your employees when they need help. Yeah. Have you, uh, do you have social media training now with your staff every year, or is it something that's just kind of understood? Like, guys, don't, you know, and guys and gals, don't, don't do certain things. Like, just, right. you know, uh, how does that work? Don't or, get so emotional. Yeah. Uh, we had a, a deputy, a great guy, um, after the shootings that took place up in Dallas, mm-hmm. where five peace officers were, were killed on that day, uh, that evening. And we had one deputy just get out on social media early in the morning and just, said some things uh, that just were very, very um, uh, disheartening. They were wrong. It was very emotional. And due to the fact that we then received information about that, we had to let that employee go. Yeah. Uh, and so I just, we try to encourage people, just monitor, monitor your social media. Yeah. Last summer was a, it was very tense. It, you know, it felt like every day there was a new story. Every day, something was happening and people were really passionate about this because it could be impacting them. They could be against it for whatever the cause is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did you have to have any additional meetings and just regroup everyone and let them know that, you know, here's what's happening or guys, when we're out patrolling, there's a certain code that we abide by. There's a certain, you know, you got to be friendly. You have to be receptive to what other people are saying, what the community is saying. Did you have to do anything like that last summer with everything that was going on? Um, a majority of our deputies, um, many of them live uh, in Fort Bend County and some around Harris County. They understand that there's a, a great deal of diversity uh, within Fort Bend County, and they have to embrace that diversity because that diversity is here to stay. Uh, just last week, we held a, uh, a little class uh, just on various cultures, uh, three predominant minority cultures, Sikh, Hindu, and Muslim mm-hmm. uh, faiths, and talking a little bit about what do they really truly mean? What, what, are their, what are their belief systems? How do they differ? What are their cultures all about? Um, and it was very well attended. We had several of our employees there as well as we invited the community uh, and many showed up. So we're going to continue to hold these, I guess, maybe diversity classes because we have to truly have a better understanding. We've yeah. done well. Fort Bend County, the municipalities, the local leaders and stuff, we've done very well reaching out mm-hmm. to the diversity that makes up Fort Bend County, but we need to continue to do even more. And, and, and as you mentioned, that, that uh, the event that you held, but you're also very outgoing in terms of attending a lot of events uh, hosted by various communities. Uh, I invited you to one to an Eid celebration uh, a while back, and you already had another one you were going to. Um, mm-hmm. How important is that? Because Fort Bend, as you mentioned, uh, you know, in terms of 
national numbers. I think we're one of the top in terms of how diverse we are as a community, as a county. How important mm -hmm. is that for you to learn about those that you are you're serving? It's very important that I have a better understanding. And you're right. I'll attend the the beautiful Hindu temple in Stafford, and I will uh, uh, attend the, the Islamic Center in New Territory mm -hmm. on some afternoon prayers just to reach out to the people because I'm the sheriff of Fort Bend County. Yeah. I'm not the sheriff for the conservative party or the or the, the, the liberals or the Democrats. I'm there for everyone. Yeah. And, and that's important uh, that I, as the sheriff, have a, a, a more than just a basic understanding, a better, a more thorough understanding of the people, the residents that make up Fort Bend. You know, that's one of the weird things. I was going to talk to you about this. Um, so you, you ran as a Republican, and yes. you have to run, by the way, to become sheriff. A lot of people might not know that for whatever reason. Um, but I've never gotten a sense in living in Sugarland my whole life and being now back as a resident with a family of my own for the last four years, um, I've never gotten a sense ever like, oh, that's a Republican sheriff or, uh, oh, he's a Democrat. Like, it, it, it's so mm -hmm. weird that even though you have to run at, on a ticket, yes, after, once you're elected, that's it. I mean, if, I, for the most mm -hmm. part, I feel like it's, uh, it's mm -hmm. one of those things that I don't know why we do anymore and why you have to run on a ticket, but... Uh, it's a weird thing that still happens mm -hmm. because you're right. You're you're choosing to serve the people, and you're mm -hmm. elected to serve the people. And after that, it's just as you mentioned, just you're just serving. That's right. It. The sheriff isn't a policymaker. I don't yeah. I don't yeah. create laws like they do in Austin. So you're you're right. Some people would say it almost should be a nonpartisan position. Mm -hmm. You know, when we arrest you or we bring you into the booking. We don't ask you if you're an R or a D or if you're pro-life or pro-choice <laughs> yeah. and then determine where you're going to be. Uh, we, we are sure for all the people. Yeah. So um, it's my job again. And I have many friends that are, are, are liberals. And then I have many friends that are conservatives. I am a fiscal conservative sheriff. Sure. Uh, and I think I have demonstrated that. Uh, for the past four and a half years. Yeah, you have. You really have. I was reading up on what you've accomplished so far, and you've been sheriff for since 2012. Um, how hard? How, how hard was that to change the culture of a department that might be used to a certain way, uh, whether it be attitude, fiscally, to come in there and change it all up? What was the kickback, and how hard was that? It took a few years, um, and there was a certain amount of. Uh, there was some turnover. Uh, for those that could not or would not uh, accept the changing the culture and the way we were doing business. But now I think after four years now, I think people pretty much understand that the good old boy system no longer exists. We have a, a civil service commission. So if you get promoted at the Fort Bend County Sheriff's Office, you've earned it. You've earned it. And I congratulate you. And we make promotional ceremonies a big deal uh, because we... We appreciate individuals that accept the challenge to do a little bit more, to go a little bit further, um, and, and you've earned it. So I'm very proud of that fact. And it took some time for us to uh, make some adjustments in some areas, specifically criminal investigations, because we weren't very good at solving crime. Yeah, that's, and that's the job, though, right? Like, and it is the yeah. job. Uh, I'll just mention one area, a category, uh, a burglaries, residential burglaries, for example. You know, Fort Bend County, they will tell you that it grows around 30,000 people annually. So when I took office in January of 2013 and 2012, the Fort Bend County Sheriff's Office, they reported 1,672 burglaries. So there were 672 burglaries in 2012. 
This year, we are on track to have less than 850. And now think about that. Four years, the county's grown 120,000 people, and we could see a reduction in burglaries by 48%. How do you do that? That's smart patrolling, smart management. What is, yeah, well, how do you do it? It's, it's working together yeah. with our other our law enforcement partners yeah. in the municipalities, working even outside of the county. We have a great working relationship with HPD mm-hmm. as well as the Harris County Sheriff's Office, but it's our social media platforms, getting the community more involved yeah. um, and having individuals call when they see something suspicious going on. So it's a great partnership. Yes, there is leadership and fortunate for me, I get a lot of the credit, but believe me, it's, it's not me. So, and it's also in the last four years, you know, monitoring systems have gone up. You've apps like ring and blink and all these companies, and you can now get footage. So you, mm-hmm. um, as officers and deputies can see exactly who you're looking for or suspected, um, you know, burglar, whatever it is. How many how many videos are you guys sent on a daily basis or a monthly basis where people are like, hey, I think this guy's up to no good? Because I see it on Nextdoor all the time. Right. I know you guys are both on Nextdoor and uh, as your professional accounts. I mean, literally every day it's like, hey, I think uh, some, some, somebody uh, shady's at the front door and here's the video, guys. How many do y'all get sent? If I get that many on Nextdoor, how many do you get sent as an officer? Quite a few. If a crime is taking place in a certain neighborhood, yeah. a patrol deputies, detectives specifically, will canvas that neighborhood yeah. to look at other people's camera systems because many homes have the camera yeah. system. And they're so cheap today. Yeah, I mean, years ago they were quite expensive. Now you can go to one of the Home Depots, buy six cameras and everything for couple hundred bucks. So uh, they certainly do help us. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of those cameras are, are pointed in driveways where these knuckleheads are committing burglaries of motor vehicles or some of the cameras are even pointed out in the street. So we get the suspect vehicle going down the street. So That's it awesome. certainly does help. Yeah. So do you also have, I've always wondered this when you are trying to solve something, because um, every, every light, every signal has some kind of camera on there. Do you guys have the access to just go through and look at traffic or is that just more Hollywood where you watch a show and, you know, like if there's a crime, they'll go through all the data at this signal and then they'll see that one car and there's that aha moment. That's more for public safety, uh, emergency management, uh, helping uh, first responders like via uh, like the fire department or EMS get through intersections because they will have the ability to to ch- change lights from red to green so ambulances, fire trucks can get through more smoothly. But yeah. we do very little with those. So that's Hollywood BS right. pretty much. Well, I, <laughs> I, I tell my daughter there's a camera on every intersection, Absolutely. so be very careful. Absolutely. So um, you're in the office, you're doing tours, You're I'm sure there's a lot of meetings that you have to attend, and mm-hmm. you've got all these documents and this and that going on. Um, are you just constantly in meetings from the moment you walk in, or is there like a little downtime there? What is that like? Yeah. Well, first off, I, I have no stress with my job. Yeah. Raheel, you, Raheel, you will not see any stress in my eyes. You won't. Uh, I, we, it, it is an honor to serve as a sheriff, and we're doing so many great things. And, and many individuals from the public will just come in and stop and say hi. Many of them will be bringing in their children, bring their children and, and deliver baked goods and, and other goodies just to say thank you uh, for what we do for the community we serve. Because you're right, there's been a lot of criticism uh, from the media and others uh, about law enforcement, and we've had some bad apples. Yeah. We've had some officers around this 
state and nation make some horrible, some poor, poor decisions. And they've been caught on some of these cameras. And, you know, one thing that we're not experiencing that in Fort Bend County. I've always said, you know, you can keep Ferguson, Baltimore, Cleveland and everything. Keep it there because it's not happening here. It's not happening in Fort Bend County. And the people, the community that we serve, they appreciate it by either stopping in Mm -hmm. or they'll send us a wonderful email just saying, hey, thank you for what you do. Um, it's just wonderful. So many people will come on in and just want to say, Sheriff, thank you, and thank the Fort Bend County Sheriff's Office for keeping our community as wonderful as it is. That's good to hear. It that, is. That's a, that's a great thing. And, and being part of Fort Bend County, living here for as long as I have, you really do get a sense of the community aspect, and we're so diverse. And it's, that's one of the great things that I don't think a lot of people understand that might not live in Fort Bend County mm-hmm. or even here in Harris County uh, and in Houston that we have it really, really, really good where you can learn from other people, other cultures, where as if you lived in a smaller town or you lived in a different town or city, you might not get that benefit. You might not have a chance to learn from other people and, and, and learn about their cultures. That's one of the great things about Fort Bend County. And I think we're yeah, I think yeah. we're the best of the 254. I, we really are. Yeah. 254 counties in this state. I believe we're the best and I made a comment last week I said if if the president Trump or anyone else would like to learn a little bit I Fort Bend County we are never average at anything. Nope. We are better than that. And if you want to learn a little bit you could learn a lot from the way Fort Bend County it's just not the sheriff's office. It's our mayors, it's our chiefs of police and and all the other leaders, elected leaders or officials. Uh, in Fort Bend County, yeah. come to Fort Bend County and learn how to to work together as a very large community and how we've been able to embrace the diversity because it's there. Mm-hmm. It's not leaving anytime soon. Embrace the diversity and, and work around some of the issues uh, that we're seeing and experiencing in other parts of this country. So all the good stuff with Fort Bend County, we love it. What's the number one issue that Fort Bend County is facing or What's the one downfall on Fort Bend County that we can improve on? What do you think? If, if there's an issue that I believe, I, I would probably say mental illness, Raheel. Mental illness. I, I believe mental illness is one of the number one, if not the number one threat to this county, state, and nation. Uh, I don't believe it's ISIS. Yeah. Uh, I believe we have a big, bad army, and I think we can really take care of ISIS if we can get our federal government to do everything we can to secure our borders. But I think it's mental illness. Um, last year in the unincorporated areas of Fort Bend County, we had 161 people take their lives. Wow. And now many of these individuals that suffer from mental illness for years have been brought to local county jails. Harris County Jail is the number one mental health facility in the state of Texas. And it's unfortunate that I've had three individuals take their lives in the Fort Bend County Jail through a form of hanging. But it's they're just ADHD, bipolar. Um, the tentacles of mental illness extend. They're very long. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many people that are suffering from depression, anxiety. And, and I just don't believe our state is maybe doing enough. I think mental illness has a stigma attached to it, and we have to get away from that. Why is that? Why, why isn't the state doing enough, in your opinion? Well, I, I, I don't know. Maybe they don't realize that how big of a problem. I know they're trying to do better, yeah. and I know it's all about you know how much money can we have, how much do we have, but I believe we're 49 out of 50 when it comes to funding mental illness. Wow. And I just believe that we could just do better. Yeah. Um, there are many, many adult children 
of many that are living at home with mom and dad and their parents are in their 60s and 70s because there's really no place for them. So they're at home with mom and dad and then all of a sudden Johnny, let's just say Johnny, uh, isn't taking his medication. He falls off it for a couple days. Now what is Johnny doing? Johnny's throwing pots and pans around and and telling mom and dad he doesn't love them anymore and he wants to kill them. Mm -hmm. So what does mom and dad do? Mom and dad calls us, right? And fortunate, we're blessed, Fort Bend County, to have a a crisis intervention team, uh, specially trained deputies that deal with people that are suffering, that are in crisis. So we'll send a a trained deputy over there to try to defuse. And and, and first, years ago, what we'd do is we'd put the kid in handcuffs, Johnny, and throw him in our county jail just to stop everything, right? But now we try to find ways to find... uh, treatment programs uh, and places that are more suited other than a county jail. Yes, I was going to ask you, so what happens then after the deputy gets there, they defuse the situation, what are the next steps? And, it, you know, as you mentioned, the funding might not be there. What is there something state-run that they can go to? Well, what they do is we, we do a lot of, they're almost like social workers. There's, there's a lot of follow-up. Mm-hmm. They stay in almost, I don't want to say constant contact, but they do a, a lot of follow-up visits with Johnny. Mm-hmm. And really, uh, Johnny's okay when he's on his medication. Yeah. But it's when Johnny falls off that medication, like many of them do, uh, they, their, their behavior becomes irrational, and then all of a sudden they are in the crisis mode. Man, that's that, that's something that a lot of people don't think about. Um, obviously, yeah. mental health is a big part of it. And you make the stigma for whatever reason. We'll focus on other topics. Mm-hmm. We'll focus on other problems that might not be impacting us directly. Mm-hmm. But it's that media sensationalism mm-hmm. of, oh, we got to watch out for we got to watch out for the terrorists. Mm-hmm. They're going to be. Well, no, actually, mental health is right like that. That's the issue. Um there was always a stigma over yeah. here, too, with, when it says, well, you attend a, a counseling or I see a therapist or whatever. I said, people, most people can't do that because they can't afford it. Yeah. You know, they can't afford it. I, I make the comment. I said, man, when I talk to my therapist, you know, the president of the United States has several counselors. Oh, sure. I mean, it, just yeah. to get a better understanding. You know, my wife and I went to marriage counseling, not because we had problems, just to have a better understanding on the human, how the human mind works, yeah. to, to better understand each other. Yeah. Uh, it's very valuable. We get rid of that stigma, too, thinking, well, if you're there to see your therapist, you must be in, going to the nut huts, That's, so to speak. Or something's wrong. Yes, nothing has yes, to be wrong. it's but ridiculous. It's like, yeah, you're right. You just can't afford to go. They're very expensive. Yeah, it's a, and that was the other thing I was going to ask very you. Expensive. Is, you know, there's, there's a lot of families. There's a, there's a really, Fort Bend County is blessed that there's a lot of great parts of Fort Bend County, and there's higher... Uh, income individuals, and that's great. But there's also that side of Fort Bend County where you, you're working a nine to five, or you're working double. You know, you're working two jobs. You got to pull all these different shifts. The last thing you can worry about is mental health because mm-hmm. you don't have time for that. You know, it's it's a strange thing. And you're right. Where as humans, we'll all focus on preventive care for health. Where I'm going to the gym. I'm making mm-hmm. sure my cholesterol is great. Uh, I'm sure this is great. And I'm staying in shape, but there's no preventive mental health care. You're right. And and really over just the last few weeks, Mm -hmm. uh, individuals that have taken their lives, a lot of it seems to be uh, some depression seems to be very common. uh, uh, People suffering from depression, anxiety, things of that nature. So we we're just trying to um, be more proactive and 
trying to reach out to people that may be suffering from that and say, hey, listen, if you're feeling that way, we'll do everything we can to try to get you some help. Yeah. Um, the last thing we want is a, a loved one, a parent, a family member to find you uh, deceased because you took your own life. Yeah. Uh, you served in the Army Reserve, right? For yes, sir. 20, 22 years. 22 years. You were you went overseas. You served in war. You, you've you seen probably the craziest things. You've probably seen the best of humanity, the worst of humanity, all that good stuff that you, you always hear about war. What was it like coming back after war for you? I, I didn't... Um I didn't experience any issues when I came back. Uh, I, I served in Bosnia and then Iraq in 04 and then Afghanistan in 08, mm-hmm. at which time I retired. I had friends that I lost in, in Afghanistan, and, and I believe the military has helped develop me into the person I am today. Yeah. I certainly feel that I have a little bit better understanding of, of culture, cult, or culture yeah. uh, specifically the Muslim culture, to the fact that I was in some Muslim countries. Um, so working side by side with them to try to help better their situation in Iraq and Afghanistan. So I think the military overall helped uh, develop me into the leader I am today. Yeah. Um, and PTSD has been such a, a big topic of discussion now. And that is getting more attention. And that's a mm-hmm. great thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year with the uh, 22 challenge, right, the 22 push-ups in 22 days to uh, bring awareness and light to the fact mm-hmm. that 22 veterans are committing suicide per day. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that is awesome because now we're mm-hmm. talking about it and we're taking that step forward. Mm-hmm. Um, for for you, did you have friends or anybody that experienced PTSD? And you know what what outlets do they have and what help do they have? And especially when you retired in '08, it wasn't in the it wasn't in the forefront. It wasn't something that the mainstream public mm-hmm. was talking about. You've got to. Um, I thought my personal experience when you. Uh, have been mobilized, and when you finish a deployment, you spend a great deal of time uh, through demobilization talking about things like this. Uh, And there are services, there are programs out there, but a soldier, uh, Raheel, has to be willing to talk about it and and ask for help, and and I believe that many of them are not. Uh, For me personally, I the VA has done, a, a, in my opinion, through, through my experiences, has done a, a pretty good job. Um, but you've got to be willing to go out and, and ask for some of those services. Um, because if you're sitting on the sideline and you're keeping it in, yeah. you know, what's the VA going to do for you then? That's a great point. Uh, I mean, if you're not willing to be helped, then yes. it, it's a tough, it is a weird thing where, you know, soldiers have been taught that, you can get through anything. You're you got to be tough. The There's tough, a stigma, the tough, right? You're the, the, the toughest stigma. one. Yeah, right. And something something so small, you're thinking, "Oh, my mental. I'm feeling a certain way. I can mm-hmm. deal with that. Mm-hmm. I can deal with it." And then you rely right. on you rely on alcohol sometimes for veterans, and that's a tough thing to get break that cycle. And but now so many people are focusing on it. and That's a good thing. Alcohol dulls the pain. Yeah, you know that's their their way of getting around it. And and really. You know, what will mom and dad really think? Yeah. You know, I'm 23 years old, did four years in the Army and spent a tour to Afghanistan or Iraq. And if I come back and say, I've got some problems upstairs, what are mom going to think? What is the potential for, for good employment in the future if people find out mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this way? It's, it's that stigma that yeah. we have to, we, we, we must do better as a country uh, when it comes to dealing with people's mental wellness slash mental health. So when you were deployed, um, you were in Iraq for a while. Yes, sir. Um, what, was, what was that like? like just well, back in 04, it was OIF-2, yeah. Operation 
it, you know, it just began in 03. You yeah. know, just before I, uh, I arrived, they, they, they captured Saddam. So we were going through a lot of, uh, I, I'd almost say it was a little bit like the wild, wild west. Um, they were going to go through some currency exchange back then. Um, I was in special operations group, so I was able to uh, drive around in a black BMW from my experience yeah. and wear civilian clothes quite often and just travel around uh, the northern parts of Iraq, Mosul. You've heard of Mosul, yeah. Erbil, Kirkuk. I'd get into Baghdad every once in a while and talk about helping to, to figure out how we're going to help rebuild this country. So you had a lot of meetings with leaders out there and yes. government officials, and you're just trying to figure figure this out, pretty much lay a plan down. With, mm-hmm. Man, I was up front with the community, yeah. uh, developing uh, business centers, uh, establishing unions, mm-hmm. contractors union, industrial union, to try to figure out, because one of my projects uh, was a $138 million new Iraqi army training base in Kirkuk. Because, you know, we disbanded the entire army, yeah. uh, which I think was a mistake. Uh, but it was done through Paul Bremer back then. Uh, we disbanded the entire Iraqi army. Uh, so we had to go through that process. And then uh, we uh, b- uh, spent money, $138 million, to build this new Iraqi army training base, which took a lot of coordination, Man. a lot of contractors. So I had a, a, a leading role in that. That's that's mind boggling that yes. you, you had that and like, like a lot. See, I didn't even know. I, I didn't even think about that side of it. Like once the war, uh, it's going on and there, then there's a rebuilding, there's a community outreach and this and that. But I can't even imagine like the logistics and what's going on behind the scenes of rebuilding because you can't just come and just leave. Right. So you were part of that rebuild. Like that's what we did in the civil affairs group yeah civil affairs officer that's what we did working with the government the provincial government the governor all the way down to like their city council members things like that uh just through outreach getting them to understand we're not an uh an occupying force per se Mm -hmm. i mean we're here to try to help help that country out um kind of sad where it is today yeah uh but we don't have enough time I was going to talk ask you, about yeah, that. Do you keep in touch with anybody? From I there? do. Any friends uh, that you've made? Uh, and- I, I do stay in contact with some on Facebook. I've gone up to Dearborn, Michigan mm-hmm. to visit uh, some. One of my best friends was a, a Christian, uh, and he was uh, – Christians are about 3% of the entire population. Yeah. So That's crazy. Yeah. That, um, and now you're back here. Um, let me ask you. So last week on social media, I was, you know, I follow you. I, I've been following you for a while in terms of, you know, I want to get my updates, what's happening with the sheriff's office, all that good stuff. Um, and I saw a tweet come across my timeline where KTRK posted a, uh, a video of you talking about uh, the new ICE 287G, right? That's what it's called. And they just, they not, I don't know if it misquotes the right word, but they misreported about what you were holding this press conference for. First of all, let's talk about that real quickly. What is okay. that um, ICE 287G? 287G is a program that ICE, it started in 2006. Mm-hmm. And what it is, it, it, it started, I'm sorry, in 1996. And what it does is it, it's where local law enforcement agency sheriff's offices throughout the country can, can send their personnel to training uh, up in, in another state and receive some training from ICE and then go back to their respective agencies and start putting detainers uh, uh, on individuals 
okay. without having ice there. It, it's it's kind of like you you're you're somewhat of a, a slash ice agent as okay. well as a. So you have the whatever. formal training. Sure, and, four weeks. Yeah, four weeks. Mm-hmm. You have that training. You're almost yes. not an. Ex- you're mm-hmm. almost like a hand for ice or an right. extension of it. Okay. Right. And to date, you know, this has been in existence for over twenty years. Currently, um, there are about eighty agencies mm-hmm. in the entire country that participate in this in 18 states. Uh, here in the state of Texas, there are 18 sheriff's offices that have this uh, partnership with ICE. There are 254 sheriff's offices in Texas, and there are 18. So 93% of us are not part of 287G, and, and I'm, I'm on record. I support the wall. I support building a big wall with beautiful gates because I'm all about legal immigration. Mm-hmm. I'm against illegal immigration. I'm all about kicking the bad hombres out of this country. Mm-hmm. Let, that's going to be challenging in itself because let's just say 10% of them are, are, are committing serious crimes, felonies, and there's 10 million here. Well, that, get, getting a million people out of here, these bad hombres, let's start there, and then let's have meaningful conversation about the other 9 million. But the 287G, every day, Raheel, we send the list of people that have been booked in the county jail for the last 24 hours. That list Every day, 365, goes to ICE in Houston here, Mm -hmm. the Houston office. Houston office will look at it and say, I want you to put a hold on this person, that person. The relationship we have with ICE is great. We're not experiencing any problems. And I don't feel I need to spend a half a million dollars by hiring more personnel for political expediency. I mean, I, I just can't. I just don't feel it would be right to the taxpayers to spend a half a million dollars and we're really accomplishing nothing more than we are today. So, so it, it's something that ICE wouldn't even pay for, the training, or is it— Oh, they'll pay for the training. Pay, but you got to hire the new personnel. Well, if I'm going to yeah. have this relationship, I would have to hire six personnel because if you're going to do it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, oh, gotcha. I'd have That's, to hire okay. six more personnel, yeah. go through the training, and then that would be their job yeah. in the Fort Bend County Jail. But we're not experiencing any problems with our relationship with ICE. Everything is working. Uh, Why throw money at something that isn't broken? Uh, And I think there's a lot of misinformation. I think they're saying the sheriff is weak on immigration. He's for sanctuary cities. I'm not for sanctuary cities. I don't really know how to define them, but I'm not for sanctuary cities or any of that. Uh, But, you know, sometimes I just maybe can't drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Or won't drink the Kool-Aid. So when something like that happens where you, you have this great relationship with the ICE office in Houston, you provide the list, they tell you, hey, here's what we need your help with. You guys are willing to work with them. Yes. Um, and then a news outlet. It's really not like a news editor. or some, It's somebody that's running their social media accounts, posts this. How frustrating can that be? Because that's the first impression that whether it be you know, people that you're serving or – People that are already kind of like, oh man, I knew it. I knew Sheriff Nails was like the Nails was like this. How tough is that to to fight that and, and that first impression? Because now people think, oh yeah, I knew it. I knew it. They were like this. Like, how hard is that? As it, it can be difficult, and and it's my own issue because then maybe I have an issue with my messaging. So maybe I have to do better with mm-hmm. that. I don't think people, if you really would have watched the eighteen minutes, it would have shown that yeah. I supported. Uh, President Trump on most of what he does, supporting the building of the wall. So I don't know where anybody could create the, the, the perception that I'm weak on immigration. Uh, they just maybe weren't paying attention. Yeah. But you only get these little sound bites. Sure. 
and 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 that is a problem. But I'm going to spend the next few months to try to help clarify my position. Sure. But I just don't feel that we need to spend a half a million dollars of taxpayers' money. And, and quite honestly, we're here. Last thing on this, and that is, some people would probably tell me uh, there may be some political consultants that would probably tell me just for the political expediency, just spend the half a million because then you won't have to talk about this anymore. And it will show that you're tough and you support all of this sanctuary city bill, uh, yeah. you know, say, and, and 287G, but I, I'm just not made that way. I, I just don't feel I need to spend money on something that isn't broken. That's okay. And you're right. Where if, if you, that's what you feel, you have more information about who you serve and your office more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And people will still try to convince you otherwise. That's a that's a strange thing. Like, I've had a few trust say, bit, trust, the, had, trust the guy that's in charge, and he knows his department. Right? And I think most people do truly with our performance over the last four and a half years. I think people truly do understand who I am and respect that what we've been able to yeah. do at Fort Bend County, and that I, I am concerned and care about every single person that calls Fort Bend County home. I have three children. Yeah. What do you think? You think I don't care about the safety and security of my wife and my children? Come on now. You know better than that. So I think it's just, um, it's, I just can't do things just for political expediency. Yeah. I just, I won't. I love hearing that. I love hearing that, that there, there are people out there that, you know what, you stand behind what you believe, and I'm not going to just do it because you got this push and pull going on with other people and they might try to convince you otherwise. I love hearing that. You know, they say you just throw money at something, it'll yeah. fix the problem. No, it doesn't. Well, look at our government. Yeah. What, I think a great poet once said, uh, more money, more problems. There you go. I think that's Puff Daddy. That was, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so here's the other thing I want to talk about. So you support the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what's weird is somebody that might be listening to this, they go immediately, oh, sure, Neil supports the wall. But you had a beautiful answer where with big gates you support legal immigration you support people coming into this country the right way and getting that opportunity i'm an immigrant i moved here when i was five my parents moved here and of course we went through the the legal channels and then it took a while for us to become citizens Mm -hmm. because we were also here when 9 11 happened and there was a lot of red tape afterwards Mm -hmm. but we became citizens in 2008 and it's awesome. I love this country. I, I, I tell this to everyone. I love this country more than somebody that was born here because I had to earn my way. I had to earn my citizenship. And I really do value it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but how hard is it where it, I, I hate bringing race into this. But as a white male who is a Republican sheriff, when people hear I support the wall, that they might immediately think, oh, Sheriff Nails doesn't like immigrants. Like, how hard is that to? I, like it's so frustrating hearing when people get upset about little things and go, "I knew it," or you know, it's just it's got to be tough. And you're in a leadership position. Sure. How, like, do you- Raheel, good question for you, my friend. Yeah. Let's say that the numbers ten million that are undocumented, illegal, whatever you mm-hmm. want to. Why are they here? They want they want a better life. Because this is the greatest country mm-hmm. in the civilized world. What a great place. The reason we have ten million people here that are undocumented or illegal is because our federal government has failed to do its job both under Republican and Democrat control in Washington. Everybody wants to sit and blame the black man, Barack Obama. This goes back. Immigration problems have been in existence in this country for decades, and nobody has done anything about it until the Donald Trump. When our federal government has 
failed to do its job in securing that southern border, people are just walking back and forth. There's a story last week, a guy been deported 20 times. I didn't think it was possible. Can you imagine being deported 20 times? How does that even happen? Yeah. Why not the, after the second and third time? Are you kidding? 20 times. So when our federal government has failed to secure that southern border, that's why we have so many undocumented here. And I understand why they're here, because we are blessed to live in the greatest country in the world. So now what we have to try to do is figure out, okay, what are we going to do now that we have a, a, a president who is strong, on immigration reform, which I agree with. The only way that you can help with some of these issues are, in my opinion, building a border wall. I support the border wall because I think it does two things. It will help curb some of that illegal immigration, but it will help getting, keep some of the illegal drugs coming into this country. We have an enormous amount of illegal drugs coming into this country. Matter of fact, I would say to you is, how's that war on drugs working out for us? It's, haven't we, haven't yeah. we been dealing with the war on drugs for years and years yeah. and years? It feels like it's going on forever. And I've made the comments before. I think there are more people in some of our local high schools in Fort Bend County that are smoking marijuana than cigarettes. They are smoking more marijuana than they are cigarettes. And so I think building the wall will help a couple areas. Number one, curb some of this illegal immigration and as well as some of the drugs coming in. And it's not fail-proof. Yeah. You will have areas that may have tunnels and some other stuff, but it's the beginning of something. Do you think it'll actually get done? I think it will. I think if our Congress doesn't do something and support Donald Trump on building the wall, I think it's going to be a sad day for the Republican Party. It'll be a sad day. Yeah. Do you think the, the resources that it would take to build this wall, and of course, the, the, big, the big quote during campaign season was, and it's, of course, campaign season, you're going to say some stuff that Mexico's going to pay for the wall, and it comes down that you know there are some budgetary lines now for the wall that, that we're going to be doing. I get all that. I get the, the game that's played. Do you think personally, though, that if you could take that, that budget, you could take the financial commitment from the wall and use it otherwise, whether it be through more monitoring? And I don't know, because I'm just asking you, you might know more. Could we better use that money to help fight this war on drugs, to curb immigration, illegal immigration? Is there... Do you think we could do that? There's an argument both ways. Yeah. For me personally, mm -hmm. I support building the yeah. border wall. You're not going to have to build it along every single mile because there's some areas you just that you're not crossing. Natural, yeah, that's right. The just because of the natural yeah. terrain. But I, I just support building that wall because I believe it will will help in those two areas, curbing immigration and helping reduce the drug flow coming in this country. And now, you know, here in the state of Texas, now our legislature passed. We're spending 800 million of our Texas tax dollars over the next two years on augmenting the Border Patrol through immigration. Uh, that money is going to Department of Public Safety, and then, all, you know, we're sending all these DPS troopers to the, to the border mm -hmm. to help keep this Texan safe. I think once you build that wall, if our federal government, if Congress specifically would do its job and hire the 5,000 additional border agents and hire the additional 5,000 ICE agents, which, by the way, if they hire them, I'll give them an office at the jail if they would like. Yeah. If they would like an office at our jail, I'll put ICE agents there. Uh, I think that will certainly help curb some of this. But the, the real passion, there's a lot of emotion involved when it comes to this subject. And, and really when you're dealing with, let's say, the 9 million left that are here attending the schools, that are just... They're here. They've been here for 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. Their kids have graduated from the local school system. They're, they're here cutting our grass, washing our cars, framing our homes. 
there's a lot of work being done. I, I joke with some people. I shouldn't even say it's a joke. I believe this. You, you kick out every, every undocumented or every illegal out of this country. I said a uh, pound of fajita is going to be more than 15 bucks a pound. They're going to go to 20 bucks a pound, and they're not, they won't taste as good because they're made by a white guy. Yeah. Well, every food. Uh, you go to any I, restaurant, and you've got a lot of mm-hmm, workers where mm-hmm. you, you're like, man, I mean, this is the backbone. It really is one of the – I, I consider it to be the backbone. If you take away mm-hmm. some of these jobs, who's going to fill those jobs? Right. You know, and, and it's a, it, it, is a, it, is a, it is a balancing act that we have to play of let's do it the right way, but then if we start kicking people out and then now you've got these jobs that no one's willing to take or do – it's a weird time, man. It's uh, it's something that I don't think there's one, there's not a single thing that will solve it. This is going to be a discussion and a solution that's got to be multi-tiered. It has to. Be. It could have an adverse effect on yeah. our on our economy, no question about it. But I've I've been on the record. I'm not into a pathway to citizenship. We have to try to find. Let's say you take the nine million that are that mm-hmm. have been here that haven't really committed any criminal criminal act, other than for those that say, well, they cross the border illegally. I understand that. So there's 9 million here. What you do, in my opinion, with the 9 million is you make them permanent residents. By making them a permanent resident, they get a Social Security number. Because I believe these individuals that are here, undocumented, illegal, whatever you want to say, we need them to get them to pay their fair share. They need to start contributing to our society and our economy here. I would tax money going back and forth. That get them to pay taxes. But you can never, at any point in time, mm-hmm. for those nine million here, and this is the deal that's going to have to be cut. You can never allow them to ever vote. You cannot allow those that are here to ever vote. Now, when they have children here and their children, well, then maybe once they're eighteen, they can vote. But you can never allow the nine million to vote. And then I don't know what the argument would be from the conservative side, because the conservative side is saying they're they're collecting food stamps, they're draining our social. Our system here. Understand. I think most people agree with that. So if you get them to pay taxes and then they start, you know, contributing to our society and you never allow them to vote because that's the argument from the Republicans. Democrats want them all come here, give them all citizenship so they can start influence our state, county, state and and national elections. If you don't ever give them the, the right to vote, I am telling you the nine million that are here will sign that deal. Absolutely. I well, think they yeah. will say, if you, you mean I can stay, I'll pay taxes, and we won't break the law. You commit a, a felony here, you one of the nine million, you're gone. But don't build a wall before we kick you out. We got to build a wall because we show numerous cases, case after case, yeah. people that have committed violent crime in this country, they've been deported several times. So don't deport them before you build a wall yeah. because they're just coming back. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing, man, where... You know, a lot of the families that are here, as you mentioned, they're here because they want that opportunity. Maybe parents want a better opportunity for their kids. Um, and we also have to make it easier for them to get through with the process. Let's say in a perfect world that, all right, if you're an illegal immigrant here, we're not going to kick you out. We're not going to, as long as you get this permanent residence, we're going to give you the USSS number, all that good stuff. But we have to make it easy for them, too, where it's not a process where they're just bogged down. It mm-hmm. takes two years. It takes 10 years to get a citizenship. Like, the process, when you go through all the government tape sure. that's involved, it's mm-hmm. frustrating. And, and mm-hmm. the reason that I know from personal experience, because you're right, like, where my, when my parents came here, did the right way, but it took forever, right, to get certain sure. things back. Like, 
we have to improve that as as a as a government where mm-hmm. the process has to be mm-hmm. has to be simple it has to be easy mm-hmm. it can't cost them thousands of legal thousands of dollars in legal fees because mm-hmm. there's a lawyer involved now mm-hmm. and this and that and it's just we have to make it easy for them where they once they are then they're they're like yeah absolutely we'll pay our fair share so mm-hmm. that's another thing all but it's such a this discussion is bigger than just us two. Yes, uh, it and it's is. very emotional and yeah. understood. Uh, it's a very challenging time yeah. in our country today. The, the safety and security of our country, to me, in my opinion, is the president's number one priority. And we just have to do better to make sure that we don't ever experience another 9-11. Yeah. And so I, I understand, you know, some of the, the, the logic and the mindset with certain travel bans and this and that. But mm-hmm. we just have to be a little bit more careful as to who is coming in and leaving this country yeah. and just pay pay close attention yeah we'll see that. what happens it's going to be uh it's an interesting it's already an interesting start already for uh, our president uh let me ask you there was uh are you still interested in running for congress i have formed the exploratory committee yeah. uh early i will year. make it yeah. i will make a decision uh around the first or second week of december but i'm still talking to the constituents the okay. the the uh those that make up congressional district 22 because I believe it's time for a change in the there as well. I think our, our current congressman is a very nice man, mm-hmm. uh, great family man. You'd, you'd have a beer and eat a steak with him, yeah. no question about it. But, Pete Olson, by the way. Yes, right? but, but his effectiveness and for the last uh, almost nine years in, in Congress, is he really hasn't been able to accomplish much. And if you don't have influence and leadership in Congress, um, you're not going to get anywhere. You're furniture. Yeah. The decision to run for congress or to at least explore that and have a committee formed all that good stuff um is it because as you mentioned there are like there's just been for the last nine years in your opinion he's just it's just he's just been there Mm -hmm. is it because of the frustration of that is it a you know motivation of you just want to make people's lives better how does one get to that decision where you go all right now let me at least look into this i believe i'm being guided by believe it uh right here I'm being guided by a higher power. If I run for Congress, Mm -hmm. if I decide to run for Congress, it's because I'm being guided in that direction. Like I told you earlier in this program, I have no stress in my life. Mm -hmm. I don't have any stress. I believe that things are set for uh, for me. Uh, The pathway has been set. I'm just going to follow his guidance uh, and and go from there. But I believe that it, it it really takes one person at a time. Yeah, there's 500 and, what, 35 up there. It takes really one person at a time. What's campaigning like when you? Well, were, I've been doing it. Now. Yeah, yeah, but like, what's that uh, like when you? I, when I you think start? it's fun. I, I actually enjoy knocking on doors, yeah. talking, uh, looking at people in the eyeball, um, and just reaching out and finding out what what issues do they really have? What do they feel? It's what's most important to them, and and what's broken, and then what yeah. do we need to do to sustain what we have going on in this country? Because not everything is bad. Sure. A lot of good stuff going on. Yes, sir, um, there is. What's the one campaign event or one campaign stop while you were running for sheriff uh, that you remember, whether it be good or bad? Well, I, uh, the election for sheriff was probably one of the dirtiest uh, elections they've probably had in Fort Bend County. I was up against an individual that, uh, um, you know, he and I communicate today, but it was, it was a rough time. But campaigns, uh, elections are big boy sports, mm-hmm. so you have to have very tough 
thick skin. Um, so I believe that should I decide to run for Congress, that that could tend to be a very, very contentious race. But I believe my last election has kind of prepared me yeah. uh, for some of the worst. Because that's a, yeah, that's a different, like running for sheriff is, is awesome, right? But when you're starting to run for Congress, is it, that's when it, that's when the real party starts in terms of what's happening. Every little campaign update, every sure. stop is important. Um, so you ready for that if you decide to run for Congress? If I decide to yeah. run again, um, I, uh, you sit and you consult with your family, talk to my wife and the kids and, and my close friends, and, and um, we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, I'm excited about the, what the future holds. That's going to be interesting to see what happens. All right, last thing I want to talk to you about, uh, you got two helicopters from the Army. Yes, uh, OH-58. That well, so how did that happen? Where they just gave you helicopters? Well, they they did actually. Yeah. They don't give anything away. Yeah, that's uh, not, like what but, was the? Because yeah, uh, like that's not that's not right that they're just giving stuff away. But what happened? It's there? through so, the military's 1033 program. Okay. Uh, and obviously, because of my military background, I had a basic understanding of how that works. So I actually found out that they had OH-58s, uh, Kiowa helicopters, and they were in Kentucky. When I found out that there were some available in the state of Kentucky, I jumped on a, a, a flight the following day, flew to Kentucky, met with a chief warrant officer, had a meeting set up. And so we, I think there were eight or ten or so available. And so I had the chief uh, take me around and explain each helicopter, and I picked the best two. And so all of a sudden, Fort Bend County Sheriff's Office name is on those two helicopters. Matter of fact, I didn't even have a pilot to fly them back. Yeah. So I contracted with the Harris County Sheriff's Office. I did. Reached out to Harris County Sheriff's Office because they've had helicopters. Said, hey, can I contract with a couple of guys to fly to Kentucky and pick these up and then fly them to Fort Bend County? And they did. Uh, and so now this is probably two, two and a half years old now. The helicopters are they're, they're, they're beautiful aircraft. Uh, the one is equipped with all the equipment that you need to fly day and night, digital mapping, FLIR, heat sensors, searchlights. Uh, they're just, they've been a big, big help yeah. to Fort Bend County because I've always said this isn't Matagorda County. I mean, we, we continue to grow. Nothing against Matagorda. Don't get me wrong. Matagorda no, You got a great sheriff, Skipper, <laughs> over there. But we continue to grow. And, and just a couple <laughs> weeks ago, one of our the helicopter found that uh, – that elderly man that had some dementia, yeah, some Alzheimer's. Right well, yeah, he was out in the rice paddy, and he was stuck in the mud. And that helicopter saw he was there for two days. Wow. Two days, and that helicopter saw him waving his arms. And that I'm, I'm telling you, if the helicopter wouldn't have found him that day, I think it would have been a recovery operation the following day. So that helicopter paid for itself. But there's very few tax dollars that go into it. We have a partnership with Sugarland, Missouri City, and Rosenberg that are helping us with fuel as well as personnel. So the status of your law enforcement in yeah. Fort Bend County is strong. That's awesome. How, uh, so how often have you been in the, do you go up in the helicopter? Oh, I'll fly around in it. You and, have to, and, right? Like, yes, it, and then. That's we'll, pretty cool. To go around to certain yeah. events. I mean, yes, it's, uh, we want people to understand that we do have this tool in Fort Bend yeah. County, and it makes people feel that, you know, hey, we ever have a real issue. Uh, we used it a lot during the flooding as well. Yeah, to, to help with yes, going on. Yes, of course, of course. All right, you can follow him on Twitter, uh, Sheriff Nails. Thank you so much, at Sheriff T. Nails, N-E-H-L-S. I'll also link it in the podcast bio. Uh, I appreciate you taking some time out, Thank man. You, man. Um, it was fun talking to you, it's and it's, uh, it, it's just cool to see the growth of our county. And, you know, your, your, your deputies are the best. They really are. They're all, always smiling. They're fair, as I mentioned earlier. 
Um, so every time I see them in my neighborhood, I always honk at them, give them a give them sure. a wave, and uh, they're they're always great. So uh, thank Fantastic. you, thank you. You got you have a great staff there. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, once again, please subscribe, rate the podcast, and let's grow this thing. Sheriff, thank you so much. All right, we'll talk to everyone next time.